The study of modern psychology has been developing concepts about how we view ourselves for quite some time. But in recent years, discussion about such, uh, such studies, view of self, has turned toward a study of mindset. Science is revealing that our mindset has significant outcomes in our lives. It affects our well-being, our success, our understanding of our relationships. There's a psychologist, a woman named Carol Dweck, who studies the mindsets of people. Her research studies how humans behave between two particular kinds of mindset. There is a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Now, a fixed mindset assumes that people cannot change in any meaningful way. In this view, character, intelligence, abilities are static and unchanging. And such a mindset creates a tendency for, for people to avoid challenges. It creates reason to give up easily when we face obstacles. A fixed mindset ignores negative feedback. It feels threatened by success of others. Now, a growth mindset, on the other hand, sees failure as an opportunity to learn, to improve, to grow. Failure in this mindset stretches our existing abilities. It's a mindset that leads to a desire to learn where one's own self can be developed. Apparently, we have instincts from an early age toward one mindset or another. Research is showing that this kind of, our, our mindset that we gravitate to is, is established very young, and it influences our behaviors and our relationships with what we describe as success or failure and how we articulate those things. It affects our behavior in professional as well as personal contexts, and it has a significant influence, a very significant influence on how we experience happiness. The psychologist Carol Dweck writes that with a fixed mindset, your traits are simply a hand you're dealt and you have to live with, always trying to convince yourself and others that you have a royal flush when you are secretly worried it's a pair of tens. In a growth mindset, she writes, the hand you're dealt is just the starting point for development. This growth mindset is based on the belief that your basic qualities are things that you can cultivate through your efforts, although people may differ in which way in their initial talents and aptitudes and interests and temperaments. Everyone can change and grow through application and experience. Now, when you read further into this, people with the growth mindset don't necessarily have unrealistic expectations. They, they don't think that we can all be anything we want to be with the right education and motivation. 
They don't assume that everybody has this inner genius that's just waiting to be found and unlocked. In reality, they believe, people with a growth mindset believe, that all people are capable of growing and learning and changing. Now, according to Carol Dweck, they believe that a person's true potential is unknown and unknowable, that it's impossible to foresee what can be accomplished with years of passion, toil, and training. And at the heart of a growth mindset is a passion for learning. Rather than an empty, you can do anything if you set your mind to it kind of attitude, a growth mindset cultivates personal resilience, changing from patterns of fixed to deep value for making an effort. So when experiences of failure do happen, and we all know they do, people with a growth mindset see themselves as learning rather than failing. Now, if we were to look at the church in Corinth, realistically, someone with a fixed mindset might say that there is a church there that's failing. Someone with a growth mindset might say, there's a church that's struggling, but is growing. You see, they're arguing over things like Sunday school teachers, as in, which teacher is the best? And there are certain people who are running to their community meals, just like our upcoming Ash Wednesday soup supper. Certain church members get there early and gobble up all the food before others have a chance to eat. People are arguing about women in leadership and who should be in charge. The Corinthians, at a glance, don't sound like a church that we would want to go to. But Paul, Paul is suggesting that the church doesn't have to be like that. At the heart of being the church, Paul explains, is Jesus, who grows people of faith, who grows a community of faith. Our scripture this morning shows Paul navigating between the, these two different mindsets among people in Corinth. Now, some in Corinth have a fixed mindset, but Paul is inviting the church into a growth mindset with a focus on Christ. The church in Corinth is, is transforming stale and problematic attitudes that are inherited from the past. The church in Corinth is discovering a profound grace that, that brings a new way of viewing life. The church in Corinth is, is learning from Paul and other great teachers like Apollos. The church in Corinth is experiencing a love that comes from God, which is a love that grows and shapes people in order to share that love with others. The Corinthian church is growing in deep and personal ways, and the pain of such growth and change is showing. 
Now, at the heart of being a church, at least the way Paul describes a church, is a growth mindset. Some people in the Corinthian church choose an attitude of superiority, a fixed way of being. There are people who explain their value, their faith, their actions as being more important than other people in the church. With this kind of mindset, these members, who some scholars call the elitists, these folks in the church are keeping their superior qualities known and and especially their advanced capacity for wisdom. And the training that they have received from these special teachers, needless to say, they in their fixed mindset, are creating some conflict among the community, especially those who want growth. But the reality is the Corinthians are getting ahead of themselves. They were elite before. Why shouldn't they be elite now? But Paul reminds them in this scripture this morning that all have much to learn and there is a lot of necessary growth needed in the church. The jealousy, the quarreling, the self-centeredness, it will hold them back from being the people who God has made them to be. So Paul invites members of the church to stop and get a little bit of perspective rather than behaving as people of the flesh, Paul says, we should behave as spiritually minded people. For we don't create wisdom on our own. This wisdom comes from God. The greatest of our qualities does not happen by achievement alone, solely on our diligence or hard work by itself. Our growth is a partnership especially when it comes to faith, a partnership with a God of love and a community that seeks to follow Christ. And together, with God and one another, we grow ourselves into a church. We grow ourselves into a community of faith. Now, for the last few weeks in the sermons, I've been sharing a bit about what are called guiding narratives. That is, the stories that we tell that shape our understanding of who we are. And Paul offers the Corinthians a variety of guiding narratives that can promote, uh, in particular this morning, can promote a growing mindset. Paul offers a guiding narrative for the church in Corinth, but really it could land well in any church. At the end of the scripture, in verse 9, Paul writes that we are God's servants working together. And Paul says to the Corinthians, you are God's field, God's building. Church, Paul is saying, God is growing something in you. Church, God is building you up, and this growth, this building up, is rooted in God's wisdom, which is given to people. So our response to such wisdom, our response to God, is to seek to be a faithful church, 
together. On Facebook, over the last couple of weeks, there have been clergy sharing a post by a man named Keith Lewis, who's a 30-something social worker at a VA hospital in Virginia. He's a member of a Presbyterian church. It's created a lot of dialogue and, and conversation because he addresses what so many people call a dying church. Church that people accuse of losing its relevance or, or not having prominence in, in, a, in our world that it once may have had. His words are powerful and meaningful. He wrote this. I want to go to a dying church. I want to sit in the pews of an aging congregation with wrinkled faces and wise, experienced hands. I want my kids to have a couple of friends and 36 church grandparents. I want to go to a church that made hard choices and paid for it. I want to go to a church that will let me leave with dignity if I ever need to go that doesn't claim to be anything other than a small part of the body of Christ. I want a church that split when they ordained women 35 years ago and split again when the pastor performed her first gay marriage. I want to go to a church that shows love, a church where the gay organist cried when the husband was ordained an elder, where the congregants try to use the pronouns they, them, there for the 17-year-old transgender kid who comes alone but never sits alone. I want a church that makes hard choices that will do what is right and lets the consequences follow. Because that is what Jesus did. Keith Lewis describes Jesus leading a dying movement where his friends betrayed him, his father forsook him in a garden, and only a few women stood by the cross and cared for his body. And this, he says, is what he wants his boys to learn about God, even if Sunday school only has a few other kids. The thinking of Keith Lewis has been on my mind lately. And Jesus may have led a dying movement, but he also blesses the church with a mindset of new life that was founded in the resurrection at Easter. Resurrection is the foundation of the growth mindset and is the very framework with which Paul approaches the Corinthians in all that he describes of love and wisdom and oneness with God and neighbor. And I know these can be big and abstract kinds of ideas, so when I think about what it means Practically in the life of the church, I turn to the words of a teacher 
who when he was reflecting on the values that grow character in people of faith, that he said that in his family and among the families in his religious community who are strong, that when they raise their children, they want three things for them. They want children to find meaning and appreciation for their faith and their religion. They want their children to grow up enjoying learning and knowing how to learn. And they want their children to experience and know how to give and receive love with their family, their friends, and their neighbors around them. I find that as we grow as people in the church, our experiences as a church largely relate to these three desires. Meaningful faith, a joy of learning, and giving and receiving love well. And I know life may be more complex than this, but these three as a foundation will offer a real mindset for growth. So church, if our guiding narrative was to let God's wisdom grow in us, I believe that we would live our lives out of such a narrative, a narrative of faith, of learning, and of love. And if our guiding narrative was that God is growing us into a deeper faith, we would live from that narrative that story. And if our narrative was that God is compassionate toward us, I believe we would live a narrative This is that we will choose to walk alongside our neighbors in their deepest pain and their most troubling aches the very same way that God walks with us. So we as a church, as a people of faith, have a guiding narrative that we grow as God grows in us and among us. For Paul tells the church in Corinth, and just maybe across the centuries, somehow he is telling the church in Detroit that the church believes that there is a community whose true potential is unknown and unknowable, that it's impossible to foresee what is really possible. But with years of love and prayer and devotion and trust that God is with the people, that we discover that we and everyone among us can grow when we begin by knowing that we can live deeply out of a wisdom that comes from God. May we always grow in that wisdom. May we live into guiding narratives of growth. And may we be blessed to be a church that is alive in Christ and is alive to one another in all that we say, in all that we do, in all of our vulnerability, in all of our failures. 
or really, should we say, our learnings. May it be so today and always in Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit and let us join our voices with hymn number 396, O For a Closer Walk with God.